Look at me. Just to the left a little. Oh, that's good. Perfect. Okay, so now follow me. That That's it. Sit. Uh, sit. Sit. Good boy. Almost done. Can, can someone get me some treats? These days, dog lovers photograph their pooches every move, whether it is a professional photographer doing it at a photo studio or you doing it on your smartphone. Those images are posted to social media and they live there for posterity. But honoring our furry best friend's memory visually is an age-old tradition and one that has continued to evolve. So the question is, why do we immortalize dogs in art? Hello, I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, where voices from around the world consider all things dog. So if you love dogs as much as we do, and we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk, because we've got a lot to talk about today. Hey Pepper, want to go for a walk? I'm one of those people, Jim, not only is my phone full of photos of Harvey, but he (laughs) actually, and I'm embarrassed to say it, has his own Instagram account. Not that I'm particularly good with it, I might add. (laughs) Well, I I do not have an Instagram (laughs) account for my dogs because I don't have a very good Instagram account myself, although you can follow it. We'll put links to all of our Instagram accounts in today's show notes. But I guess an Instagram account is a modern-day way of immortalizing our dogs. Years ago, I uh, had the notion to create a website for people called Paws Up, Paws Down, where it was sort of like a hot or not (laughs) kind of thing, where people could vote on whether they thought a dog was cute or funny or attractive. Um, Facebook came along, and they made it a lot bigger than I ever could have envisioned damn them yes damn them damn those people at facebook (laughs) to find out how we got to where we are today let's turn back the clock to somewhere between eight and nine thousand years ago it is here in what is now known as saudi arabia where images were found carved into a sandstone cliff They show a hunter drawing his bow, surrounded by 13 dogs. Each dog had its own individual personality, its own individual markings, and they weren't just the same generic dog. So 13 unique dogs surrounded this guy with his bow. A new study reveals these engravings may date back more than 9,000 years, making them the earliest depictions of dogs in archaeological records. It was reported by Science Magazine editor David Grimm in 2017. And while researchers believe it may be the earliest documentation of dogs, more work is, as they always say, still needed to confirm the age and meaning of the rock art. What an amazing find. I remember seeing this. And you know what was interesting, too, is that two of the dogs in the drawings have lines running from their necks to the hunter's waist. And that Could have represented leashes. Could have? I'm going to go with yeah, because yeah, I wasn't there, but I think that's a leash. (laughs) And what that suggests is that humans had managed to train and control dogs thousands of years earlier than Mm -hmm. first thought. So I guess that could mean this was the first indication that dogs were heading towards domestication. Right. So let's move forward 
to near the end of the first century BC. And we have a dog mosaic that was found mm-hmm. in the house of the tragic poet in Pompeii, Italy. And I actually saw that. It's in Rome in a museum several years yeah. ago. I saw it. I'll do my best to describe it. It is basically uh, a mosaic. So there's a whole bunch of tiles. The dog was created with black colored tiles and red tiles for the collar. And it was set against this beautiful cream background. And get this, it actually had the words cave canum at the bottom. That's Latin. And it means Beware of the dog. Get out. That's great. Dogs were warding off mm-hmm. unwanted visitors more than 2,000 <laughs> years ago. Beware of the dog. Those signs have evolved not very much since, since <laughs> not that Not at time. all. But we're still using them. See, everything old is new again. Fast mm-hmm. forward again to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and dogs then appeared frequently the, in- the, hun- the what? The Renaissance? That's beautiful. I love it. What's that? The Renaissance. The Renaissance. Yeah. How did you say it? Renaissance. 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 C'est très bien. Okay. D'accord. Without my accent. <laughs> how, better, better than, than how most Australians would say it. The Renaissance. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's good. <laughs> okay. Let's fast forward again to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and dogs appeared frequently in hunting scenes. And eventually, our furry best friends became companions and were shown in paintings on the laps of owners and at their feet in their homes. Now, I'm sure we've all seen many portraits of royalty in the upper crust immortalized with their dogs at their sides. Well, yeah, I'm not great with art, but I do know the portrait of a noblewoman, which was painted, when I looked it up, (laughs) around 1580. Didn't just have that one on the top of my head. It's um. <laughs> well, that would be fifteen eighty, fifteen eighty one, something of right. that time. <laughs> now you might know it as well. It's of a young woman wearing a dress in a really rich, deep red colour, and she has her tiny dog, which is sitting on its hind legs, perched up near her leg. Do you know the one? No, I don't know that one. I do know that it must have been around fifteen eighty, eighty one. No, I I don't know that one. But there's just so many amazing pictures. That's what I loved when I was a kid. I would go to museums and I would be dragged from museum gallery to museum gallery. And the only things that I was interested in were these old paintings with dogs in them. So yeah, I've always kind of been a fan of dog art. Anyway, we've done a bit of random history up until this part, very random, but this is where dog art kind of shifts and dogs take center stage. They do. And that's because after the Renaissance and during the 18th century, dog breeds became standardized and dogs became the stars of their own portraits. And that had a lot to do with the American Kennel Club. The um, AKC started in 1884. Not shortly after that, they start collecting paintings and sculptures of prominent, important dogs and by prominent, important artists. The AKC collection is upstairs, and it's about 300-plus items, and the museum collection is about 1,700 items. That is Alan Fossil. He is executive director of the AKC Museum of the Dog in New York City and has been a scholar and a curator in the art world for more than 30 years. The collection museum is probably the best in the world, but combined with the AKC collection, there's nothing in the dog world that would touch this. The museum's mission is to preserve and document works of art for history. And from the AKC's perspective, it also tracks the progression of breed standards, which it codified back in the 1850s. 
So really the art becomes a record of those changes. This is a pug of around 1790 or so. And you wouldn't recognise it. His legs are much longer. He has yeah. much more of a muscle here. Alan's talking there about the portrait The Pug by the artist Richard Ramsey Reinagle, which looks very different from the pugs that we see today. And that's important because it's portraits like these that can be used by breeders over time to return dogs back to the original standard. It's pretty clever. Now, it is very clever. And, and for serious art history enthusiasts like me as a child and no, me now, the museum has the most impressive collection. In it, there is a 1677 Abraham Hondius masterpiece. It's called the Amsterdam Dog Market. And what's so cool about that is you can see the individual dog breeds in it. It's just kind of like, you know, a really interesting thing because you can see these breed specific dogs that are perfect in this Amsterdam dog market. There's also a painting by um, Charles Olivier de Pen, and that is called Hounds and Snow. These are like critically important pieces in the art world. And that is what Alan Fossil keeps his eyes looking for, because, you know, these things eventually come up for auction from time to time, and he's hoping to add more of those to the collection. There are a good half dozen I'm tracking I know where they are and what I try to bring to the table being an art historian and also in the auction world, having a, a very good knowledge of what is good, better, and best. I think one of the things I'm looking at is making sure that the pieces have a certain amount of artistic quality and important documentary quality. There really are some incredible pieces in the AKC Museum of the Dog, but there is one you won't find there, Jim. What is that? What if I said to you the words dogs and poker? <laughs> I do know that one. I was thinking we could kind of get through this show without mm -hmm. talking about that one, but it is important. It's an iconic series. Uh, it was created by the American painter Cassius Marcellus Coolidge. And did you know, Kara, that there are actually 18 paintings in the overall series but, of course, dogs sitting around a card table playing poker just kind of caught everyone's curiosity. And did you know, this is like deep, super, super trivia here. Did you know that that painting was commissioned by an ad agency called Brown and Bigelow to advertise, not dogs, but cigars? I didn't know that. And you know what? They weren't just well-known in the US. Here in Australia, they were definitely on walls in houses across the country too. So kitsch. Yeah, that's a little bit kitschy for, for me as well, and I'm really not sure if dogs playing poker is very highbrow. But as they say in the world of art, the art is in the eye of the beholder. So behold, we headed out to dog parks around the world to ask you to share your favourite piece of dog art. I would say, hmm, off the cuff here, I would say like the uh, dogs playing poker is definitely a great one. Blue dog, the blue dog, like pop art from 20 years ago, so it's great. Other than that, I really can't think of any others, but yeah, those come to mind. Maybe like pictures of hunting dogs, you know, like where the tails point out. So uh, I was gifted a uh, Hanna-Barbera Scooby-Doo um, piece of art when I was a kid. I still have it actually one of my favorites. There's actually a portrait of a dog called Swamp Dog, um, where a dog uh, who was in Katrina was found essentially in a swamp. Um, so there's a really like impactful picture 
of that dog found on a boat during Katrina. Um, and that's one of my favorite pieces of dog art. Would you consider commissioning some art of your dogs? Yes, I would consider commissioning art of my dogs. Um, I value my dogs and other pets um, more than a lot of things in the world. Um, and I know the joy that dogs can bring um, and to like showcase that through art is really important. Now, I have a favorite piece of dog art. It is a recent acquisition in my art gallery. Yeah, I have an art gallery. It's actually something that my wife, Molly, and I created. And we like to think of it as the biggest collection of, uh, of rescued dog oil paintings <laughs> in Maui. Uh, we have basically have this two-story hallway, and we didn't know what to fill it up with. So I said, let's go and look for these great, oil paintings of that have people have painted over the years of their dogs and so we have it i will put some pictures in the links in the show notes so that you can see what it looks like it's an ever-growing collection but there is one piece of art that is my favorite right now and it is a painting that molly had commissioned of my dog rue who passed away Aww. recently and it is a beautiful painting, lovingly done by an artist somewhere in Eastern Europe. And she found them on Etsy and she sent a photograph and then they went through this whole, uh, you know, period where they went back and forth and back and forth and, and basically commissioned this gorgeous painting of Rue. So we are adding to the works of rescued dogs because Rue was a rescue dog and we're finding these rescue dog art paintings from from all over it's pretty fun that sounds so awesome i think you need your own instagram account for this <laughs> oh, oh maybe that's what i should that's what i should do i should do an instagram account yes. about my gallery of rescued dogs that's an idea yeah i think so i think it's a great idea no promises here <laughs> but well consider that <laughs> Well, you have um, a keen eye, clearly, for dog art. Uh, me, not so much. I have to say, and feel free to judge me because I know you will, I've always been a fan of dogs playing poker. Oh, Carol, you are so cultured. <laughs> so cultured, I know, right? But it is comforting to know that dog art over the years, the good stuff, is being documented by the AKC. Mm -hmm. And really, in fact, when I was thinking about it, the fact that a museum exists at all to you know, highlight this, says so much about our love and commitment to immortalising dogs over the centuries. It does. And of course, you know, dogs have evolved over time, as has the art from the cave walls to, you know, modern day poker playing dogs. But what has remained constant is that dogs are symbols of protection and loyalty and unconditional love. So maybe it is easy to see why dogs have been such a long and colourful part of our visual history. Next, we fast forward again and look at dogs in modern art today. And now, a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. 
It infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, I can feel it. Ever pup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Dog Edition. Well, it's time to dive into some contemporary examples of dogs in art history. And they're unmistakable, including Andy Warhol and his pet portraits. Mm. And what about Keith Herrig's iconic image, the barking dog, which first appeared in New York subway drawings in the early 1980s? Yeah, they're very cool. Mm. And one that I love is Jeff Koons. Do you know him and his balloon dog sculptures? Among them is Puppy. So Puppy is a giant West Highland Terrier sculpted in live flowering plants. It's alive. (laughs) It's 40 feet tall, that's 12 metres, and guards the door of the Bilbao Guggenheim Museum in Spain. It's very cool. You've got to look that one up. Well, I am looking it up right now, and it looks like Jeff Kuhn's big hope behind that was that the puppy would be bringing feelings of optimism and confidence and security to people who pass the museum. It's really cool. And let's face it, how could a giant dog made of flowers not do that? (laughs) That's true. And and of course, I bet all the other dogs that follow through and smell that dog painting. So this is a a smell and a beautiful thing. Mm. But if you think back to the art that we've been talking about, the motivations to have a dog as your muse They all come from a very positive place. I literally scrolled through Twitter looking for journalists who have a deep relationship with their dog. Erica Bleberg is an artist of the very contemporary kind, and her inspiration comes from her three loves, dogs, painting, and journalism. The light bulb started going off in my head that what could I do to bring joy and kindness to these people who I have such reverence for and high regard. And so what could I do that that would make people a little less stressed, feel a little more loved and appreciated? So I started painting their dogs. Erica is a publicist who I spoke with recently. She grew up with an artist as a mother and an investigative journalist as a father and Erica wanted to say thank you to journalists that she admired for helping to keep democracy going, especially through 
this past few years. So Erica started reaching out to journalists on Twitter with the hashtag, hashtag journalism matters. She started with Sarah McCammon, who is a national correspondent at National Public Radio here in the United States, whose dog had just passed away. And I said, you know, I'm a longtime fan, longtime listener and supporter of public radio. I see your dog died and, you know, express my condolences and then explain to her, I have this thing I do. I paint pets. It's just, it's not a business. I'm not, there's no catch. I'm not looking for anything in return. I just do it because it generates joy. And in my world, if you can put joy in the world, what could possibly be better? And from here, a series that Erica calls Journalism Matters started to snowball. She has painted dozens of dogs of journalists over the past year or so in her impressionist style and has given those paintings away for free. She even painted President Biden's dog, Major and Champ, of course, before Champ had died. Mm. And she has been tweeting photos of the portraits with the hashtag, hashtag DOTUS, D-O-T-U-S, Dog of the United States, which is the dog's Twitter account, in hopes that the image will make its way to the Bidens. I hope she's had some luck with that. It's very cool. Her work is um, really personal and really genuine. We'll have to check with the White House. (laughs) You do that. And I really love her genuine spirit around this too. And of course, as a journalist myself, her commitment to the fourth estate. Mm -hmm. But let's go back to dogs and art more broadly. So whether it's photos on social media or Erica's paintings of dogs or the Renaissance era, or if we go right back to caves and carvings in Saudi Arabia, surely the underlying motivation to capture dogs in art comes from that positive place that dogs inhabit and how they make us feel. I see where you're going with this. Are we getting closer to answering the question, why do we immortalise dogs in art? Exactly. That's what I want to know. Well, do you know what? I think that Erica Bleberg has an answer for this one. I think that dogs resonate with humans in a way that touches our souls so deeply that just the concept of someone loving a dog enough to create art, portraiture of that dog, or to include a dog in a scene, I think just the concept that someone loves that dog so much makes people happy. They may have dogs of their own or they may not, but if you if you understand the deep love that people have for dogs, it doesn't matter if it's a prehistoric animal on a cave. In fact, all the better. It shows the longevity of this interspecies love that just continues to move and touch human beings. Beautifully said, Erica. Well, that is our episode for this week. But it is a very special episode because, Caro, this is your last one as co-anchor of Dog Edition. You're off. I am. And it's been so much fun hanging out with you and the dog lovers and team dog here at Dog Podcast Network. I am off to do other things, but I'll be listening and I won't be far away. Well, don't leave us wondering. Where where are you off to do? I've got a range of 
random project, let's call it that. But I'm doing lots of different things from TV production to voiceovers to working on some other podcasts, um, but not any with dogs. Oh, well, we will be listening and we'll be following you uh, on, on your TV journeys. Caro, it has been a pleasure. And um, thank you for joining us this week. We will have another episode of Dog Edition coming up real soon. So stay tuned for that. Before I go, though, I definitely have to let you know that if you haven't already, you have to head over to The Long Leash because if you're looking for something else to listen to in your dog walk between now and the next Dog Edition episode, you need to check out Jim's show. He has some amazing conversations with some fascinating people not to be missed. And please follow Dog Edition wherever you get your podcast. And of course, leave us a review. We'd also love to hear from you. And you can let us know what you think of this show by going to our website, dogedition.com, and clicking on the little blue microphone icon. Sometimes it's black, depends on the day, on the bottom right of every page. And if you would, if you enjoyed our show today, please tell a friend about Dog Edition. It really helps us to grow this podcast. For the final time, I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. Kara, we're going to miss you. Well, I'm James Jacobson, and on behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Aloha.